this is episode number 15 of the Connor Shepnick podcast. Today I wanted to do something a little different. I recently had to give a presentation in my software engineering boot camp. We call it a lightning talk so you could pick any topic you wanted and then present to the class. And naturally I picked Bitcoin because what else? So uh, for today's podcast, I wanted to go through that presentation and just kind of give my thoughts on why I think Bitcoin has the potential to end war, poverty, and inequality through the promotion of economic freedom, financial inclusion, and decentralized global cooperation. Now, I know some of these ideas presented may seem bold if uh, you're not as far down the rabbit hole as myself or other Bitcoiners, but I do ask that you keep an open mind and I'll try and make sure that for those just listening in and not watching the actual video, that uh, they can still get value out of this, but there is a presentation to go along with this. So if you can watch the video, I think that'd be helpful. And for again, for those just listening, I've presented a meme where it has the four different sides of the political spectrum with authoritarian at the top, libertarian at the bottom, left, economic left at the far left side of the graph, and then economic right. And then there's an arrow going directly up, making the graph 3D, and it says Bitcoiner, and there's a monk floating holding a Bitcoin. And I think it's just such a perfect picture to show that once you go down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, politics becomes meaningless because Bitcoin solves most of the problems that politics pretends to solve, but naturally never solves. So first question, what even is money? Well, it's a unit of account, a store of value and a medium of exchange. At least those are the three things money should be. Uh, we've seen central banks sacrifice the store of value portion of money in order to try and keep some semblance of stability, but even that seems to be cracking. And with uh, fiat currency, money is also a unit of control. So you look at what happened to the truckers up in Canada, not even just the truckers, uh, people who donated to that protest, they got their bank accounts confiscated or frozen. That is in a G7 country, it's supposed to be a democratic country. People got their bank accounts frozen for donating to a movement they supported. We also saw it with Russia. Now, obviously, it's horrible. Russia invaded Ukraine. But to just completely steal all their treasuries, that just sends a message to the whole world that if you do something the United States does not like, we will take your money. It's wrong. It's not right, no matter how you cut it. And it makes people not want to use treasuries, which is a massive, massive global settlement layer. But we're already seeing people start to use the wand. I think Bitcoin will play a more prominent role. And, uh, I think the U.S. really shot themselves in the foot by weaponizing the Treasury market and the SWIFT system and essentially telling Russia that all their treasuries are now null and void because they did something that the U.S. doesn't like, which, again, it's horrible. It's not right they invaded Ukraine, but it's really wrong that we weaponize the system. There's no good guys. That's just two wrongs that make a right in this situation. So uh, one thing I want to get across is that creating money without an opportunity cost is wrong. It's not right that... We all have to work for money, you know, U.S. dollars or whatever currency you work for when one entity gets to not face an opportunity cost and just create that money out of thin air. You know, I believe it ruins democracies because you can't vote your way out of a system where the candidates on both sides of the political aisle are bought and paid for by those close to the money printer. There's something called the Cantillion effect, and that's when uh, that freshly printed money gets entered into the economy. Those who have first access to it benefit the most because they can use that money to buy people's time, attention, goods and services, whatever they want. It's deeply wrong that uh, one entity gets to do that. And I think Bitcoin fixes that. It would make it so everyone faces an opportunity cost if they want to acquire money. They can't just hit a few buttons on a keyboard and have more money to spend how they please. And uh, I, this is kind of 
from Jeff Booth's point of view, he, you know, he does such a good job talking about how technology should be making things cheaper, you know, with uh, the ability to do more in less time because technology made us all more productive. Naturally, the price of goods and services should, should fall. And when I say technology, I mean, I'm not just talking about AI and social media apps and, you know, our laptops. I mean, tractors and think about how much the tractor was able to make farming easier for the farmers. They could produce so much more with uh, so much less because they didn't have to rely on horses or think about, you know, anyone who drives a car, how much more efficient that is for getting around the city than would be horses. And the reason that technology is not making everything cheaper is because we have technology battling with this inflationary force of money printing. And, you know, they're going back and forth. And uh, I think in the past couple of years, obviously, we've seen such a ridiculous amount of money printing that inflation is running rampant. But realistically, the price of everything should be falling because technology should be making goods and services across the entire economy cheaper. And uh, for those just listening, I have a picture of a meme up that says they got you fighting a culture war to stop you from fighting a class war. And it's a guy wearing a MAGA hat with a woman with purple hair arguing inside of what looks like a fish tank and uh, observing them from the fish tank as a banker smoking a cigar looking in on them. And, uh, you know, it's a great meme for, I think, uh, the United States political system. I mean, you know, you have people just watching on as long as people are divided, bickering over issues that don't really get to the core of the problem. You know, they're, they're focused on problems that I'm sure both sides are passionate about, but problems that would be fixed if we essentially had a system where everything was getting cheaper and people could buy more and their money was actually a decent store of value. But when it's not, you have all these people who want to uh, point fingers and blame the other side. And realistically, I think it's uh, those controlling the money printer who are the ones to blame. So why does Bitcoin fix this? Yeah, for a couple reasons, but you know, the first thing is it has a fixed supply of 21 million Bitcoins. Currently, I believe there's uh, about a little under 19 and a half million Bitcoin distributed already. But anyone can check that there was always be a fixed supply of 21 million Bitcoins. You can verify the source code for yourself. And if you don't know how to verify source code, well, learn so you could verify that there will only be 21 million Bitcoins. Don't trust. Go verify. And, uh, you know, Bitcoin encourages saving and long-term thinking. I'm going to go to the next slide and just show an all-time Bitcoin chart I put up on Google. And if you look at this thing, I mean, it is all over the place, up and down. But if you held for long periods of time, your purchasing power has rapidly appreciated. And when your purchasing power appreciates, you can think more long term because you know you're saving in something that is just bound to go up in value. You know, in Bitcoin, we love to say it's number go up technology. And a lot of people come to Bitcoin because of the number go up technology. But you stay because you see it's just full of win-win situations. You know, it's a trustless and permissionless network that allows any two parties to cooperate and uh, I know not everyone is an Austrian economist, but I think if I had to sum up Austrian economics in one sentence, it would be mutual cooperation means both sides trade because they both think they're going to benefit. And I think in our current fiat system, there's a lot of one side winning and one side losing. And uh, Bitcoin fixes that. It allows people to trade and partake in trade where both sides believe they're going to benefit some other reasons why I think Bitcoin fixes many of the problems we see today. Uh, if we're going to talk about energy, you know, energy is the base layer of civilization. My power went out last night and uh, it was only for a little bit and obviously I'm fine, but it was just such a wake up call how dependent I am on power for my internet connection, for my fridge, to cook food. I mean, to, to get in a car and drive anywhere, you need power 
and Bitcoin gets a lot of FUD. There was a recent New York Times piece talking about how Bitcoin is so bad for the environment. But the truth is Bitcoin can act as a buyer of last resort for energy 24 7 365. So people love to use this example in the space because it's a great one. But think about flaring. A lot of gas gets flared, natural gas, because there's no one to buy it that makes economic sense. So, you know, these companies could transport it in, but to move all that natural gas and then try and find a buyer, it would not be profitable. These companies are going to lose money if they do that. And companies are, you know, there to make a profit. So they're not going to transport this natural gas. So what do they do? They flare it. When they flare it, it uh, releases tons of methane in the environment. And Bitcoin fixes that because it acts as a buyer of last resort 24-7-365. So rather than flaring this methane and putting it into the environment, which is not good, Bitcoin can buy up that energy. So it's doing two things. It's helping the business retain some of uh, their purchasing power, actually increase their purchasing power because they're getting to monetize energy that would otherwise be wasted. And it's preventing that flared gas from entering the environment. So there's less methane in the environment. And, uh, you know, there's a bunch of other things on this slide, but the last thing I'll leave you with is someone actually put the Bitcoin white paper in every Mac uh, that is past a certain update. I forget, but it's a few updates back. So in almost every Mac nowadays, if you have a Mac and you run this command in your terminal, and I'll leave it in the show notes because I don't expect people to copy and try and type this in from uh, the slide. But essentially, they've hidden a Bitcoin white paper in every Mac going forward. And I just thought that was such a cool little thing because I, I think what Satoshi was able to do with his white paper and solve the Byzantine general's double spin problem and then just walk away and essentially create a computer network that allows any two people to trade uh, value in a permissionless manner to create a scarce asset in cyberspace that's backed by energy. That's not, you know, obviously uh, I think people love to obsess over the fiat price of Bitcoin, but if you have Bitcoin as your unit of account, one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin and exchanges obviously have a fiat price for it, but Bitcoin was tied to energy and the fact that there was no actual uh, tie to fiat currency. It's just exchanges and I guess market participants who denominate their assets in fiat currency, currency, but Bitcoin is just a, uh, it's an energy system more or less. It's, it's a system where people can expand energy and mine Bitcoin and monetize stranded energy. And it's uh, it's beautiful. So, you know, I talked about verifying how many Bitcoin exists and I pulled this data from my Bitcoin node about a week ago. So it's a little bit outdated, probably by the time whoever's watching this is watching this. But what you see here is an object. So that's what these curly brackets are up here. And objects encoding have key value pairs. So we see the height, which at the time when I pulled this data was 785,238 blocks. That's how many blocks have been added to the blockchain. There's some other things I have on another slide that I can go over, but I think the most important thing to see is total amount. And that is the key. And the value is 19,345,024 Bitcoin and uh, some Satoshis, 45,773,688 Satoshis. That's how many Bitcoin existed at the time of this. Now, obviously in the Coinbase, when a block gets added, 6.25 Bitcoin are added. But when I pulled this data, that is how many Bitcoin existed. And the fact that I can check that on my own node is pretty incredible. So uh, just a quick explanation of each key value pair on that slide. The height, like I mentioned, is how many blocks are added to the blockchain. The best block shows the this is the block hash of the latest best block in the blockchain. And a block hash is a unique identifier for a block created by hashing the block together. TX out shows the total number of unspent transaction outputs. That is your Bitcoin. If you want to spend your unspent transaction outputs, you have to have the private key to that Bitcoin. And uh, at the time, it looks like 87,695,135 UTXOs are out. The BOGO size, 
This is an arbitrary non-technical term representing a size metric. The term BOGO size is used here to denote the total size of the blockchain in bytes or other or another relevant measurement. Interesting, not really sure what that is. Uh, hash serialized too. This is the hash of the serialized UTXO set. It provides a unique identifier of the current state of the UTXO set. Interesting. Total amount, which I went over, total amount of Bitcoin in the blockchain, which uh, again is a little under 19 and a half million. Transactions. This is the total number of transactions that have been confirmed and included in the blockchain. And that looks like, let me see, 52,258,365. That's pretty cool. 52 plus million transactions have been reported on the blockchain. That doesn't even include things like the Lightning Network and uh, presumably other layer two and layer three chains that will soon come to Bitcoin that help people settle value. And then disk size, this represents the total disk space used by the blockchain data on disk measured in bytes. In this case, it looks to be a little over 500 gigabytes. So it's a lot, but that's why I personally bought a old server with three terabytes of memory. So I don't have to worry about updating or having to run a prune node or having to update my computer's memory size because Bitcoin blockchain gets too big. And then another exciting development in the space is Noster, which I believe Bitcoin makes, Noster makes Bitcoin even better, more powerful. Noster stands for notes and other stuff transmitted by relay. And at a high level to decentralize social media, it's got distributed ledger technology that's similar to Bitcoin, but uh, Noster is used as more of a social media app. What's cool is that anyone can run a relay, which you can think of as a server. So if you wanna protect all your own data, you can do that. Or if a company wants to run their own private relay just for employees, they can do that. There's so many different use cases. And in Noster, you can zap people, which is essentially a term used to denote sending people small value, or I guess you can send bigger values, um, but you can zap people Satoshis, you can zap people Bitcoin, which is incredible. So if you find someone's content valuable online, the friction to send, you know, you're not gonna Venmo them a penny or a dollar, probably not, unless you like are obsessed with them. But on Noster, it's just a couple clicks and boom, you can send them whatever sat amount you want up to a certain amount. Cause I think one of the biggest things with lightning is uh, I think it'll help scale to allow all 8 billion people to use Bitcoin, but the amount you want to be able to send, you have to have that liquidity. So I think for massive amounts, obviously lightning might struggle with that, but you could always use the layer one blockchain. I'm going down a tangent. Another cool thing about Noster is there's no username or password to log in. It's just public private key pairs, which is very similar to Bitcoin as well. You know, you have a public key and that's how people send Bitcoin to your address. You give them your public key or, you know, uh, you use your public key to create addresses, Bitcoin addresses, and then send that to people. And obviously every time you should create a new uh, address to send people so they can't go and see all your past transactions. But it's the same idea. If you want to spend that Bitcoin, you have a private key to that public key pair. And only if, as long as only you have that private key, you control those UTXOs and can decide how to spend them. And same with Noster, you know, anyone can use any public key to see what someone's feed looks like, but they have to have the private key if they want to unencrypt DMs or if they want to sign a message and post it to relays. And you interact with uh, relays through clients. So a great client for the phone is Domus. There's another one, Iris TO I like online. There's all sorts of different, uh, clients you can use to interact with relays but i mean it's a really powerful platform and uh, anyone can participate anyone can run their own relay server or you can just use a client and you can use that public private key to take your data with you between any client so imagine being able to use your username and password on gmail and then go and log into proton mail obviously you can't do that but with nostra you can you can take that private key and public key pair 
and go and log in anywhere and have your data. And uh, I, I think that's such a better way to do it. I think it's cool having a public-private key pair and just the fact that it's censorship resistant, that you can zap Bitcoin and that you can use that public-private key pair to take your data with you anywhere you go. It's incredible. It's a, it's a really exciting time and the devs are working hard and building on Noster and it's just such a welcoming environment. At the moment, I don't think there's any algorithms on any clients out there and it's nice not having uh, an algorithm that tries to provoke emotion to keep you scrolling. Obviously, I like Instagram and Twitter and I think there are valuable things you can get out of these social media apps, but I also think that they are beholden to their advertisers and that they don't always have the user's best interest at heart. They're just trying to keep your attention as long as possible. And I think Noster fixes this in a lot of ways and I'm so excited to see how Noster helps Bitcoin become hopefully the next global reserve currency. That's what I'd like to see happen. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, like I said earlier on, do not trust me. Go verify this for yourself. You know, that's the ethos of Bitcoin. And uh, while I can't go down the rabbit hole for you, I hope at this point you understand why I'm so passionate about it. I got a Ron Paul quote up here that says, it is no coincidence that the century of total war coincided with the century of central banking. I think there's a lot of truth in that. You know, Bitcoin and Nasser fixes. I'm going to play a Guy Swan meme. After this, there is no turning back. You take the purple pill and the chains of censorship will be... What? What are you doing? I haven't even explained anything yet. You take the orange pill and I show you how deep the Bitcoin... But... I... Did you just take both pills? Let's fucking go. Uh, for those in the New England area, I'm part of a local Bitcoin meetup called Mass Adoption and would love to have people attend. And you can learn a little bit more about, about us at massadoption.net. I made the website myself and uh, hopefully going to get some more stuff added to it. Like I said, I'm taking that coding boot camp, so learning. But it's cool to meet Bitcoiners in real life and see how passionate people are and excited. And I think it's great reading books, learning about it online, Twitter spaces, the whole nine. But actually meeting Bitcoiners in real life, uh, it's one of the best things I ever decided to do. So check us out, Mass Adoption. And then if you have any questions, get at me on Noster. You can find me there at Bidmucker. Uh, I'll leave my inpub in the show notes. You can also get at me on Twitter. Um, and yeah, you know, don't, don't stop learning. Uh, I, I think it's wrong to assume Bitcoin will just n naturally become the next global reserve currency and governments won't fight it and there won't be some turmoil in the interim. But I also think the deeper you go down the rabbit hole, the more you do start to think that Bitcoin is going to fix so many problems of the world and it's just going to create all these win-win situations. And uh, I think even those in charge of the money printer who are obviously incentivized not to give that power up will naturally end up having to give up that power and embracing Bitcoin at some point because the game theory, the incentives of this network are just so beautiful. And I'm so grateful that Satoshi was able to uh, free humanity from the shackles of money printing in a system where one entity can create money out of thin air that everyone else has to work for. So... Hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it's a little different than what I usually do on the podcast, but uh, I enjoyed making this PowerPoint presentation. I enjoyed orange pill in my class, and I hope you found some value for it. If you did, send me some stats over Fountain. That's another great value for value app. You know, value for value is kind of the whole model that Nasser incentivizes, and uh, it's an exciting time to be a Bitcoiner. So many things are coming. You can earn stats back on your credit card, and uh, Lolly, S-Miles. I mean, there's so many different games. So uh, if 
If you want to earn stats without having to part with your fiat currency, I'll leave a link to some of that stuff as well. You can use Fallon. If you listen to certain podcasts, you'll get stream stats. So yeah, there's just so many ways to earn stats right now. And uh, we're going to look back on this time and just be amazed at uh, all the opportunities to earn stats. And if you don't take advantage of it now, well, you have no one to blame but yourself. We all get Bitcoin at the price we deserve, right?